You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hey, everybody, it's Teresa. Welcome back to In the Open with America, Teresa, and a guest, Laura. Hello. Hey, everyone. Today's topic is I have problematic drinking or using when I'm depressed. Is it a problem? Am I an addict? And Alora, as our guest, do you want to tell the audience a little bit about you and introduce yourself? Hello, my name's Alora. Um, I work with Mental Health America of West Central Indiana as a prevention specialist. And in college, I definitely had some problematic drinking and nicotine usage. So I feel confident talking about this, especially when it relates to emotions. Yeah, awesome. This is a part of our addiction series, folks. So if you haven't been chiming in, just so you know, this is part of a series. So let's just jump right in. I know that I I won't necessarily have problematic use if I'm just depressed, but if I have if I'm depressed or having an episode and then I'm also alone for me in like a rap plan that and it, probably like two serious periods of my life where I, looking back I was like oh I should have realized <laughs> I was both depressed and I was isolated and so stress increased significantly that like in one case it was alcohol that was turning to in another case it was substances Yeah, I think usually when it gets to the point where you're asking yourself, is this problematic? There's something, even if it's not super obvious, when you're asking yourself that, that's making you feel the need to seek answers to that. Just with my personal like mental health history, I know if I'm starting to be like, is this me? It's usually a sign that there's something going wrong somewhere that I need to get back on track. Same thing with drinking. I come from a line of addicts and people who misuse and abuse substances. And it was always, my mom was very upfront and said, this is something that could be hereditary. So like, you need to be very careful if you're going to use anything, even if it's in a relaxed setting. So I consciously try to make sure that if I'm having an extreme of an emotion, that I am not using any substance. It's just my best plan is to, if I'm feeling an extreme of any emotion, to not use. Alora, when when you talk about your experience, you had to learn that, how to do that, though. Like, I know that when I'm in the throes of anger or dark moments, it's my brain isn't processing in a good state to be like, hey, let's pause and think about the rational way to, you know, so how did you go about learning that? Well, it's not always going to happen before. Sometimes you have to make the mistake or make the decision and suffer through the consequences to look back. I'm very conscious about trying to be self-reflective. It just helps personally with my anxiety and depression in general. And then I was lucky enough that my mom worked in mental health my whole life. So we've had conversations like this where we talk about reflecting and being aware of what's going on within ourselves. But for instance, I worked at an ER during the pandemic and my vaping habit went through the roof. And then 
there was this one particular week where I was coming home and I was like, I'm going to relax with a glass of wine. We got to the end of the week and I was like, wow, I've gone through several bottles of wine this whole week. And then I had to be like, that's a problem. I don't feel like I need it right now. But if I make this a habitual problem, it's going to continue to get worse. And then it might become to the point where I need it after each shift. So I try to be aware of even if it's after the fact that this could turn into a problem. And is this something not that I want to happen, but I'm willing to let happen? Yeah. I feel like that's been a theme that we've heard from some of our peers. We have peers who grew up with family members who had addiction and really created a young culture of early warning signs and early learning and building insight in that way. Like just know that this runs in our family and it's a problem. And it seems like the those members of our team, they just do do better, right? So it, it's like almost like a lesson for parents or people who have addictions. Like when you have children, don't be afraid to talk about these issues because you're actually protecting your family. My family didn't talk about it at all. It was like normalized and also part of cultural expectations. Like we have a drinking culture family. So very much it's like, this is how we cope and we're proud. (laughs) We're proud of being alcoholics or something. You know what I mean? We're just so stupid. And then I would watch on the sidelines as like some siblings would literally not just binge drink, but just like we had no culture. As a person who was in mental health care and even focusing on dual issues, like, and I don't know if that's something in my brain, but just like what America is saying where when I'm in specific parts, even though my intellectual brain knows that I should be watching out for this, the first time it happened, I don't even think I wanted to be aware of it per se. Like I... (laughs) It's like this, this is the path forward. (laughs) This sounds like a great idea for how to cope with whatever I'm experiencing. And I think the second time I was using, I was actively aware that I was making that choice, but it wasn't until I was out of my episode that I could make a decision to attend to the decision in a way that I felt I had control to set boundaries. But when I was in the middle of it, it was back to that good time, good time brain. Like this is a good idea brain. Does that that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, it does. I have a multicultural background and I for sure see it when I visit certain family members where it's more acceptable. Like, yeah, it's the middle of the day. Do you want some Hennessy? This is a great idea. Let's sit on the porch and drink all day. And I'm like, No, I have to go to work, actually. But I understand that once you're in it, it's so much harder once you're in it. Same thing with even if it's friends, but it's different when it's your family and your family saying, oh, this is okay. This is what we do. Oh, you're no fun. Why don't you want to hang out with the family? Are you too good for the family? It's like a totally different thing to where you feel like you don't want to be on the outs with your family. (laughs) Like It makes it so much harder to rationalize and do what you know you should be doing or you know what's best for you. And it's not easy. I know sometimes I can make it sound like it's easy to be rational with myself and be introspective, but really it's it takes a lot of work to get there. You have to learn yourself, but also have to learn how you interact with other people. I know I'm a people pleaser by nature, even if I say I'm not, 
I don't like people being disappointed in me. So if someone's pressuring me in a way where it sounds like they're disappointed in me, then I feel more inclined to give in. But so it's something you have to practice at. It's not going to be a, well, today I'm enlightened. Today, (laughs) everything's going to go great. I'm going to say, no, don't try to do that to me. But it's so much harder when it's your family. We fall into that just with our friends. So when you add in the dynamics of being a family, it gets so much more complicated. But it's something you work at over time. Well, I think one of the things that keeps coming up in all the conversations that we've been having in this series is the fact that you have to practice, right? You have to make these decisions and consider your well-being in a way that you make it a habit to do so, right? You recognize certain aspects that aren't in your best interest. Sometimes when you've already gotten a little bit of like the skill, right? To say, okay, that's not the best decision. Let me try to change in the other way. And you can still be pulled by that, you know, that pretty shiny thing that's calling everything to you. But the practice lives in the fact that you can recognize if you go down that road, it's not in your best interest. So you have to like reinforce that continuously, which takes a lot of work to not engage in behavior that at one time felt so comfortable and positive. And I think it's hard too, because it's not like you're giving in and then the experience for the most part is like super unpleasant. You're like, I'm never doing it again. Most time you're going to relax. You're going to have fun, but you have to be able to separate just because something's fun or maybe I feel more relaxed in that situation doesn't mean it was what's best for me, especially if you're dealing with things such as anxiety and depression. If you're falling to those habits, it's going to make it a lot easier to have an out that's unhealthy for you versus getting the coping skills from the beginning to help you cope along the way and learn these things so that way you can practice over time. Yeah. And I I do also sense that when it comes to practice and decision making, like two things I feel like we've talked about, which is if I know I I have warning signs that I'm heading into an episode, I mean, the healthy side of me says, okay, this is happening. Let's set boundaries and not make a decision to to use this coping skill or that coping skill. And that that's been part of the lessons or the practice, right? Which is maybe why the second time around I didn't turn to alcohol because I was like, oh, that's a hot mess. <laughs> like we can't touch that because alcoholism runs in my family too. I'm like, I have not had a serious alcohol addiction. I can still drink and still set limits. But I know that when I'm depressed, that triggers a higher risk for me engaging in really problematic, addictive-like drinking behaviors. I think for somebody who has an alcohol addiction, and for them, they're that's their thing. They're always drinking. If I knew alcohol or substances was my issue, it's almost flipped. It's like, I always know alcohol is issue. When depression comes, it's the risk factor that I'm anticipating versus like, depression is my primary concern. Alcohol is the secondary exacerbator. Well, I think it depends on the person. It comes down to you. Like you said, I'm in a similar situation with you where I have my anxiety and depression and I can drink casually and not, and not become problematic. But if 
I'm in a downward spiral and you add stress on top of that, even if in the moment it doesn't feel like it's problematic drinking, it can very quickly become the crutch that I'm leaning on. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm so stressed. Let's go relax. So I personally try to not do any extreme, overly sad, overly stressed. I'll just completely avoid it and not use anything that would alter my mood. Whereas someone who is can't drink at all, I think they would have to more so focus on practice on not even be putting themselves in situations where they know that's going to come up. If you know you're going through something and you're already struggling and you put yourself with those family members who always get you, you have to be able to get the warning signs before you even get there. You have to go more upstream. And that's interesting that you can just like set that limit and say, oh, well, I'm not choosing to use because I don't think I've gotten there. That's like an interesting thought, right? I mean, maybe the next time I have to ask myself, maybe I should make a decision for my health and just say, I'm never going down this path. So far in my life, that's not been my choice course. <laughs> that has not been the choice that I made, you know? I I I think I play with that fire. I'm like, and then I justify it in my head. I'm like, I need this to cope. In my brain, it's like, well, there are those kinds of meds and these kinds of meds, and I'm desperate. Like I'm doing it all because I don't know what's working or not working, you know? But I guess I have to ask myself, like, how much of it is a problem? And I think a lot of people wrestle with this question. It's like, well, how much of it is it, is it a problem? Because me using, and you said cigarettes, it, it's a poly substance thing, right? Because it's not just alcohol and marijuana. And it's n- totally smoking cigarettes. So I can go from smoking occasionally to suddenly buying packs regularly as a way to just stay up. Yeah. Nicotine was a more... Like, I sound very enlightened right now, but the way I was hitting (laughs) vapes 24-7 to the point where I'd be, like, taking a puff and being like, is my heart about to come out of my chest, but I need to keep hitting this? Um, It became really bad, especially working in a high-stress environment, but, like, high-stress to the point where I was breaking out in hives before I'd step into the building all the way through my shift and back, and then it didn't help when every single person around you is handling stress in the exact same unhealthy way. So all the nurses would be like, I need a cigarette right now. Ah, it's smoke- smoking in the mental health community is like a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And it started off as more of a, um, I'm very tactile and I liked the flavor of it. I fell into the vape trap of liking the flavor of it. And then it just became a habit. And then I started it sliding it in when I was stressed and I was like, it gave me something to do and refocus, but then I became so reliant on it. But all that being said, it's a lot harder with substance where you're not really thinking about it. Like I think more about alcohol because I'm very aware of alcohol, but nicotine really snuck up on me and hit me in the head. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, I don't have a problem with this. And then I was first thing I did in the morning to last thing I did at night. It became very problematic very fast. And luckily, I was aware enough to cut myself off at a point where I didn't need help with cessation. But we were getting up there. (laughs) We got pretty, we were toeing the line. And it came down to, honestly, it didn't really come down to my health. It came down to money. I added up how much I was spending 
on using unhealthy coping mechanisms. I said, this is unhealthy to my bank account. I have to stop this right now because I can't afford to do this. So that's really what got me to stop. But it's not going to be like that for everyone. My brother's girlfriend, when she stopped, she had to get the app and it told her how much she was saving every day, how long she had been without it. So different people have to handle it in different ways. And I always say it comes back to being able to know yourself and having coping skills outside of the substance you're using and being able to like replace it with something healthy to do instead. I think that's really true though for for anything that you kind of struggle with, you have to find the thing that sticks, right? Like for people that struggle with losing weight, you could go on 20 million diets, but the thing that's sticking is like, oh, well, if you lose 50 pounds, you'll get $100, right? So the incentives that you receive are different and the ones that work for people I think have to be weighed against what truly is going to make a difference. Like if you have an app that helps you, great. But if you never even pay attention to it, it's not going to help you, right? It's just going to sit there as an additional thing that's there. I really like though in how you're talking about the fact that you had to recognize that all these other things, like whatever anybody told you or however you were feeling physically, it didn't make a difference. For you, it's stuck. This is how much money I'm spending on this thing. And that's something that for me is, that's like fundamental to land on. Like how to figure that out, what's going to help you stick with it. Well, and on that note, I think you also have to give yourself some slack as you're going through this journey. More times than not, you're not going to stick the landing the first go around. It's going to take some figuring out trial and error. I stopped multiple times before I officially stopped. And even to this day, I have to be mindful of, because with my work, I'm having to go into vape shops occasionally and stuff. And I'm like, that really makes me (laughs) want to pick up a vape so bad. My boss is like, no, 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 you quit. (laughs) And like has to re-remind me. But you have to give yourself some grace as you're going through and figuring that out. What works for me might not work for you. And what works for someone else might not work for them either. You kind of have to take it in stride. Instead of vaping 24 hours a day, maybe you got it down to six. And that's okay. (laughs) That's a win. You have to acknowledge the wins, even if they're small, and also acknowledge that just because we're winning right now doesn't mean we might lose the next game, but we got to keep at it. It's not going to be something super simple. And I try to always remember to go back to that because I know when I talk, sometimes it feels like I've got it all figured out, but I don't. (laughs) And it takes a long time and a lot of just like figuring it out and reflecting. And even if you can't self-reflect, if you can get people close to you who can be honest. So if you're struggling with like drinking and you're like, I'm worried something's problematic, how does it come across to you when I'm drinking? So if you can't self-reflect, maybe have someone mirror back to you how it comes across from someone else's point of view. Yeah, I mean, I think those are kind of the real takeaways in this conversation. It's like twofold. How do you know it's a problem? Basically, are you setting a limit? And can you meet that limit? Like it it has some idea that you have control over this situation and that situation isn't controlling you kind of thing. And then like, do you have a problem? Well, you may not be aware, but when somebody else calls you out and someone else says, I think that your use is a problem for you or for our relationship. Like that's a pretty clear sign, right? 
that something's up. And and I know certainly like if if I'm not able to do something on my own, like if I set a boundary and I can't do it on my own, that's a pretty clear sign that I need something else. Like you doing that thing over and over trying to set limits or try to get better by yourself is not the answer. Well, and sometimes it's not a solo journey. I was able to recognize my own boundaries and set my own boundaries, but there's been several times where I had to rely on people around me to be like, hey, is that really a good idea? Or to repoint out why I didn't want to do this in the first place. And it sucks. No one likes to hear when people are like, you're being problematic. So it's hard to like stop yourself from just reacting. Sometimes if you know you're reactionary to statements like that, maybe just sit with it for a moment. <laughs> Think about what they said. Don't react in the moment. And then relate it to what you've been thinking about, what they told you, and then take it from there versus acting on instinct. Because a lot of times our nature is to be to self-preserve, to like defend ourselves immediately. But sometimes there's a point <laughs> when someone's bringing a topic up like that with us. Yeah, everything is great in hindsight, right? Like we can recount our stories perfectly and give myself the best the best possible light. I definitely did not sound like that when somebody called me out. Yeah, no, if we were having this conversation while I was in college, we'd be having a totally different conversation. So and I think that's okay. And I think it's important to be honest about different times in the journey our responses could be different, but it's all about learning from where you are now and growing from that. Focus on your blooming. Just keep moving forward. Well, thank you, Alora, for joining us today. Um, really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on this issue and fleshing out some ideas for how we can check ourselves and then move forward. Thank you for having me. And we always end with keep on fighting in the open, folks, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.